This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Basketball season just about here, so it's time for a little KU season preview. What's up? I'm Nick Schwartz. We're not going to do a lot of these introductions. I think eventually we're just going to get right into the content and what we want to talk about. But seeing as how this is the first episode, and I don't know how many people listening are listening to me talk for the first time, how many people are people who know me from my time in Lawrence, but I'm Nick Schwartz. I am the producer for Cody and Gold on 610 Sports Radio. Before that, I spent six years as the host of Rock Chuck Sports Talk for KLWN Radio and Lawrence. So I, for about a decade, was in some form or capacity covering Kansas athletics, which means mostly covering Kansas basketball. And it's an exciting time and an exciting season for this team. Expectations are always high. Uh, expectations to win a Big 12 championship are there virtually every single year since Bill Self took over as the coach. But especially this season, preseason, top three in the AP poll, which I think is, it's funny when we highlight stuff like that because when you look over the years under Bill Self, they are virtually a top 10 team every single year, which maybe speaks to two things, the fact that they're always good and the fact that there are like 10 teams on an annual basis that matter in college basketball. The last time KU was ranked worse than seventh in the AP preseason poll was 2012. They were ranked 13th that year and they lost in the national championship game. So I don't really think that tells us anything about college basketball or KU. I just think it's a funny tidbit. Derek Johnson, who was my longtime producer, we did Rock Chalk Sports Talk together for five years. He's going to join me coming up in a bit. I figured for the first episode of this, it would only be fitting that I talk to the guy that I've talked more Kansas basketball with than anybody on the planet. And at least in a professional setting, in a public setting, I, I don't I don't know how I would ever get to the bottom of this. Uh, Bob Davis and Max Falkenstein would probably like a word, but we've got to be at the very least top five in terms of two people having Kansas basketball conversations together. Who knows the quality of those conversations? Who's to say? Certainly not me. But we've talked a lot of KU hoops together. One of my good friends, he's still doing it on a daily basis. So I thought it would be fitting for him to be the first guest. We're going to get to a lot of things with him, including Remy Martin, what that adjustment is going to be like coming from Arizona State to KU, how he fits in with the returning pieces, of which there are a lot four returning starters for Kansas this year. We're going to talk about David McCormick, the, the finish to last season that he had, where he looked like 
one of the top 20 players in the country. Are we going to get that David McCormick this year, or is it going to be more of the guy who uh, looked skittish, looked like he was running around like a chicken with his head cut off the first portion of the season? We'll get into all of that. A ton of stuff to get to with Derek. But first, just a 30,000-foot view on this Kansas basketball team heading into the 2022 season. Bill Self famously said at the end of last year, after that beatdown loss to USC in the second round of the NCAA tournament, that they needed to go out and revamp this roster. They needed to add athleticism. They needed to add quickness. They needed to add playmaking. And that is exactly what this coaching staff did. The big addition, Remy Martin, two-time All-Pac-12 selection from Arizona State. He comes in and you would think immediately becomes your starting point guard. He was already tabbed the preseason Big 12 Player of the Year. You also had Joe Yesifu, a combo guard from Drake, who was injured for a large portion of last season, was the sixth man. The second he became the starter, he was one of the most electric players in college basketball. Over the last month of the season, you could probably count the guys on two hands, who had better seasons than Yesifu. He effectively was a 20-point-per-game score for them uh, once he became the starter for a Drake team that uh, just barely snuck into the NCAA tournament. But he looks like another guy who can be that explosive, uh, go-off-the-dribble, bouncy, facilitator, creator, get-your-own-shot type guy. And then the influx of players that we already knew about. Um, guys like uh, Bobby Pettiford, who was a North Carolina commit. He could figure to work into the mix. Dewan Harris, already on the team last year. But for the second consecutive offseason, Dewan Harris is being touted as that guy who a lot of people are excited about. The coaching staff loves the kid. They say he's improved a lot this season. He is more of a pure point guard, not as much of a score. But honestly, that is what this team was missing a season ago. You return four starters, Christian Brown, Ochai Abaji, Jalen Wilson, David McCormick. Now, if we want to go uh, through them one by one, we can. We'll do that more when we talk to Derek here coming up in just a little bit. Jalen Wilson isn't going to start the season at least actively participating. He's going to miss the exhibition opener against Emporia State and the first three regular season games against Michigan State, Tarleton, and Stony Brook because this past weekend he was arrested uh, on suspicion of a DUI. Uh, we don't know exactly the details of that, whether it was drinking, whether it was pot, but he did take a field sobriety test. They decided to arrest him. So uh, one would probably deduce that he failed that, but don't know the details of it. Just know that he's going to be missing three or four games. Listen, we can get into the conversation as to whether or not that is uh, too lenient for a kid who's not even 21 uh, to have a DUI and to only get three or four games. A lot of people have cited Brady Morningstar, who about a decade ago was suspended for an entire semester. I'm not really here to draw parallels into that. I'm not really even all that interested in the uh, conversations about the suspension. I would ask people who are critical of the leniency, so to speak, of Jalen Wilson's suspension. Is three games enough? I, I, I don't know. Probably not. But would you feel better if it was five? Would you feel like it's an adequate number if it were six? Like, I just want to know very, very genuinely what people are hoping to accomplish when we uh, criticize the uh, the suspension links or the punishments for these kids. Because I know it's very, very easy to just fall back on, on sort of the overarching theme or idea that they're not taking this seriously and that nobody is is learning their lessons with the punishments that are being handed out. And maybe that's right. But I also want to know what exactly are we hoping to accomplish? Because if you don't think the four games is going to 
uh, nail down or nail into this kid's head that what he did was wrong and that he can't do it again. I, I, I just, I'm just curious. What's the threshold? Is it nine games? Is it 10 games? Do you suspend him for the entire season? Do you bury the kid? I don't know, but three games is the answer. Jalen Wilson going to be out. I'm sure KU is going to be just fine. Michigan State's the marquee game. Champions Classic uh, next week at Madison Square Garden. Michigan State's not starting the season as a ranked team, uh, but it is Tom Izzo, Hall of Fame coach. Wouldn't be surprised whatsoever if that's a really close game. As for this season, as for this team as a whole, it's going to be fascinating to watch how this team melds in what is the most unique offseason that I've ever seen for a Bill Self-led team at Kansas. They wanted to add explosiveness. They wanted to add playmaking. They did that. And you're adding it in with four guys who have established themselves already on this team. But all four of those guys, those four returning starters, are all going to be looking at drastically different roles heading into this season mostly because of what is going to be around them. The only guy who really is going to be able to play the exact same way he did a season ago is David McCormick. Now, life may be easier on him if you have more facilitators, if it's easier for guys on the outside to get shots because guys like Yesifu and Remy Martin are penetrating, drawing defenders in, and kicking out to open shooters. That's when Christian Brown and Ochai Baji are at, his be- at their best. If they're seeing the best brought out of them, if life is easier on the shooters, that means less defenses, sagging into the paint and focusing all their attention on David McCormick. And if that happens, we could very well see David McCormick have a all American, all big 12 type season. But that to me is the crux of how this season is going to go for Kansas. Do you have a star on this team? Remy Martin's a two-time all pack 12 selection, but we know that he's not going to be allowed to play the same way at Kansas this year under Bill Self the same way he was allowed to play under Bobby Hurley at Arizona State. Last year, Arizona State started the season as a preseason top 25 team. They went 11-14. and 14. And at times, you could tell that Remy Martin was a talented player playing on an 11-win team. He looked dejected. He looked disengaged. I don't expect that to be the case at Kansas. I also don't expect for him to be able to play with the same amount of freedom offensively, defensively, as he did last year. We all know by now what Bill Self expects of his players on the defensive end of the court. But we also know from the point guard's position specifically, this is not going to be the Remy Martin show where everybody else just gets to pick up the scraps. He has to fit into what this coaching staff wants. And what this staff wants, based off what they were lacking last year, is a point guard who can initiate the offense and get others involved. Now, did Remy Martin not get others involved because that's not a part of his game? Or did he simply not get others involved because there was nobody to consistently rely upon to get a bucket? It was not a great shooting team. It was not a very talented team overall at Arizona State last year. Well, now you're playing on a team that is the preseason number three team in the country. You would think life will be easier on him to get others involved, but that is the question. Is that what he wants? Is that in his DNA? Is that the type of player he wants to be? Remy tested the NBA draft waters. He wants to be in the NBA this year. He's played four seasons of college basketball, but he's an undersized point guard who's not super explosive, not a plus defender, probably not going to be a high level or, or even a guy who gets to, to kick around and, and have a cup of coffee in the NBA. But this is his best chance. This will be the best chance he'll ever have to showcase that, yes, he can be one of those guys to have a Frank Mason, Devontae Graham type season. But unlike Frank Mason and Devontae Graham, 
Remy Martin doesn't have the luxury of having four years under his belt, having three years under his belt with the system, with the coaching staff, and with these other players to know exactly what's going to be expected of him. So regardless of what you think his ceiling is, I expect there to be a learning curve. And my big question is, when you get to the end of that learning curve, what does it look like and how close can Remy Martin get to being the player that Bill Self's going to want him to be? Because if he can be the guy that he is being touted to be in the preseason, which is the Big 12 player of the year, that is how this team can reach their national championship aspirations. Because there has to be a star. It doesn't have to be Remy. He seems to be the popular selection. But if it's not going to be him, he still is going to play a vital role in turning Ochai or turning David McCormick or turning Jalen Wilson, Christian Brown, Joe Yesifu, whoever you think that guy is, Remy Martin is still going to play a hand in doing that because none of those guys are going to be able to play to that level. None of those guys are going to be able to play to their ceiling unless Remy is the guy that Bill Self wants him to be. There needs to be a star on this team in order for KU to be a national championship contender. Otherwise, I think you could look at what we saw a season ago, where at times, a lot of guys look good, but there was just that piece missing. We pegged Remy Martin to be the missing puzzle piece. How exactly is he going to fit in? I don't think we're going to know right away. But ultimately, that's the big question that has to be answered before we can find out exactly what this team ceiling is and how long it's going to take them to reach it. All right, he is Derek Johnson. He is the host of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN Radio and Lawrence 1017 FM. You can check out the podcasts uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, You can also hear him live from 3 to 6 every weekday. It is a show that he and I did together for about five years. He is the host of the show now, and being that this is the first episode of this podcast, I figured it would only be fitting to have Derek on as my first guest. We could do the pleasantries if you want. I feel like we've kind of done five years of them, so I don't necessarily know if if they're necessary, but how you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, I don't really like the pleasantries. Small talk is overrated. Okay, then let's just get to it because this is basically going to serve as a season preview. I know you've been previewing the season for basically three months now. Exhibition opener this week. You've got the season opener on Sunday. So exhibition opener is Wednesday night, Emporia State. Um, Season opener is on Tuesday against Michigan State Champions Classic. Technically, you had the season opener. They had the secret scrimmage against Tulsa, which they're not allowed to tell us, which I don't understand because you see all these schools like Jeff Goodman. Here's the box score of this game, but we can't get it for the KU game. Okay, so for the record, two things. First off, the reason I thought they played on Sunday was because uh, if you Google Kansas basketball schedule, it automatically reverts to the women's basketball schedule. They Mm -hmm. open their season on Sunday. We can maybe get to them later, Mm -hmm. but just first things first, maybe Google fix that algorithm. I mean, nothing (laughs) against Brandon Schneider and the, the, the women's team, but I feel like most people probably are looking for the men's schedule. Yes, Michigan State Champions Classic. So they had a scrimmage against Tulsa. KU released video footage from Mm -hmm. that scrimmage. A lot of Christian Brown featured. So are we to believe that Christian Brown is going to be the breakout player for KU this year? 
Um, if you ask uh, a lot of different players and, and coaches, apparently Christian Brown and Dewan Harris, like those are the two most improved players. Now, how often that actually like correlates to being the correct answer. I don't know. That kind of remains to be seen. It's a crapshoot, but uh, I, I thought it was really interesting because it wasn't just that he, like I, I, tab- I tallied up all the different scores in that game. Okay. You won 33, nothing. We didn't see Tulsa score a single point. Wait, you tallied uh, up. So you tallied up the scores in the highlight video, right? You don't actually yeah. have the game footage. No, but Hey, that's all we have. So based on what we know, they won 33, nothing. Um, Christian Brown had 10 of the points. So, I mean, he's scoring about 33% of the team's points. Uh, but I, I think beyond that, he had three assists, which was second on the team in, in the highlight package okay. to Dewan okay. Harris. Um, but in realistic, like uh, the only way to view that, do you take anything by that? Because like Christian Brown was a guy who coming out of high school, like he was kind of a point guard. Uh, is he going to handle the ball more? I, I don't know. You know, I did this last year. Like mm-hmm. when we were doing the show together, you, you may or may not remember this, but I was... I mean, trumpeting at the front of the Christian Brown parade of him mm. taking a massive step uh, from freshman to sophomore year. And I believe it was the second game of the season when he just went off for like 30 points and he was knocking down a bunch of threes. And I said, see, told you so. And then the rest of the season was somewhat of a disappointment, but that's fine. Uh, he can maybe have that breakout this year. I don't actually know if I'm expecting it or not, but I think it's actually a fitting place to start with this team. If we're going to look at the 30,000 foot view of, of KU, we know all about the off season, the comments that Bill Self had after the USC game, talking about how they needed to get faster. They needed to get more athletic. They go out, they add Remy Martin from Arizona state. They add Joe Yesifu from Drake. So you've got those sort of athletic playmakers, creators off the dribble coupled with the four returning starters in Ochai, Christian Brown, David McCormick and Jalen Wilson. I don't actually know how any of this is going to work. Either they're preseason number three behind Gonzaga and UCLA, two teams that went to the final four. Obviously, national championship aspirations. Remy Martin, preseason Big 12 player of the year. But with the way this team is built and now having the transfer portal that you can tap into and Bill Self did it just about as much as any other coach in college basketball I don't know if there are concerns, but like, do you have questions about like what this is going to look like? Just considering we've never really seen Bill Self or any coach for that matter, like put a team together like this, that is expected to be one of the top teams in the country. Yeah, a hundred percent. The thing that maybe limits some of those issues are the fact that you do have four or five starters back. So the guys who are going to be playing the most minutes, right? are, are going to be experienced guys and, and know how to play with that. Uh, but certainly I like, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little bit slower of a start than you'd expect. And this isn't just smooth sailing. Like one of those years when you go like 31 and three or something like that, like if they got upset by Michigan state, I know Michigan state's not ranked, but do we really believe like Tom Izzo is not going to have a, a ranked team back to back years? Uh, would it be that surprising or would it be that surprising if they lost early in the year to Alabama and they were going over uh, some early season stumbles with just trying to figure out the rotation. I mean, Bill Self doesn't even know what all the lineups are going to be with all these guys in there. Uh, he's mentioned the fact that like they think they could play 10 deep, but I, I don't think either of us believe that's actually going to happen. It's, it's just a lot to try to figure out on the fly in terms of both like what roles do certain players fit into because that's part of it too. Like a guy like Remy Martin, for instance, you're going to come into a system where 
you're no longer going to be the guy being asked to put up 18 to 20 points a game. I, I think KU would rather you average like seven or eight assists and 12 points or something like that with everybody around you. Um, Cam Martin, instead of being the guy on offense, you're just fitting into a specific role. Like it, it's adjusting all, all the roles of these players. You don't know how they're going to react. You don't know how uh, certain players are going to play with each other. You don't know who's going to make the cut of the rotation. Like it is going to be absolute work on the fly for Bill Self and all the experience that that comes in hasn't played in this system. And I think that's going to be a challenge all season long. All right. So let's take a a bit of a step back here, because when you look at some of the more successful teams that Bill Self has had over the past decade, or really just his tenure at KU, there are a few different formulas that have worked for him. One of them is a formula that works for basically every coach, which is have a star or have two of them. So let's start there. you go back to 2020, the season that wasn't, right? The COVID year. Uh, Katie finished, I think, 28 and 3, 17 and 1 in Big 12 play. You had two of the top 10 players in the country, Von Dotson and, and Yudoka Azubuki. They were both some of the best players at their respective positions. Nobody had answers for either one of them. Together, they were deadly. KU would have went into the tournament as the prohibitive favorite to win it all. Uh, two years prior, 2018, even though KU wasn't a top team all year long, they just were built in, in such a specific way with Devontae Graham and Svi and Malik Newman and, and LeGerald Vick and just having guys who could spread the floor, knock down jumpers. Oh, and you had Doak down low, who was still that, that dominating presence inside. It was a very specific build. They knew what they did, and they did it well. You can kind of go down the line, right? Go to the, the year before with Frank Mason and, and Josh Jackson. You had uh, these star players that... Other teams, you could try to sort of game plan around, but ultimately, it was a pick-your-poison situation. Does this team, and I don't care if you want to talk about Remy or you want to talk about any of the four returners that you maybe expect to take big jumps this year, do you think this team has one of those guys? Do you see a player on this roster um, that is a legitimate college basketball star? Yeah. So it's interesting because like, if you're viewing it from a standpoint of like stars in, can you be a first team all American or something? I I don't think so. But I think part of that is by nature of you're going to have so many guys, so much depth, people might not get enough shots. I actually have kind of taken a turn on this. Like uh, we've had a lot of conversations on the show about like, who would be the best big 12 player of the year candidate from this team. And at first it was, you know, it's Remy Martin. He's going to be kind of the key to the offense. He's going to score a lot of points. And then I kind of turned to Ochag Baji. Like he's going to be perfectly set up with Remy Martin. I've kind of come full around and this would be the guy that I would kind of take as a star in college basketball. I think it is David McCormick. Um, You're talking about a big man who put up great numbers in big 12 play last year. And you know, we talked about this coming into last season, like, oh, you're talking about a McDonald's All-American who's entering year three in a Bill Self system who has put up production at different points. Like that guy should have a lot more hype than he's. Getting. Yeah, those guys and, generally uh, do pretty well under Bill Self. Yes, they do. And so it didn't work out early in the season. But I mean, if he would have done what he did in conference play all season long, like he I don't I don't know if he would have been an All-American. He certainly would have been first team all big 12. Um and he's kind of interesting to me because when you look at this specific team, right, if you, if you want to be viewed as a superstar, you have to do uh, something kind of unique for your team, obviously. And you have to be that guy. You can make the case that with Remy Martin, like if Remy Martin gets in foul trouble or he gets hurt for a couple of games, 
you should be able to fill that role with Joe Yesifu and Dewan Harris, right? If Ochai gets hurt for a game, Christian Brown can fill his role or Jalen Coleman Lance can fill the, the shooting role off the bench um, with Dave. Like, even if it is Cam Martin or Zach Clements or Mitch Lightfoot, who all either have experience or talent, you know what? All those guys, none of those guys are like down low inside post scores, right? Like Cam Martin and Zach Clements are perimeter shooters. So the only guy on the team who is like an actual, you're going to dump it to him in the post and let him go to work. I think the only guy on the team is David McCormick. And if you're saying he's the only guy on the team who's going to do that in a bill self offense with four guards around one, we saw what he did in big 12 play. I think David McCormick is actually a star on this team. So the big question with Dave is, are you going to get the guy that you got the last two months of the season who was effectively uh, 16 points, seven or eight rebounds, and actually turned into a, a pretty good rim protector as well, which was certainly not a part of his game earlier in his career. Like, is that the version you're going to get, a guy who looked like a top 20 player in America? Or do you get the first two months of the season, David McCormick, when he looked skittish, he looked frightened, uh, he was effectively a black hole and an inefficient black hole at that. I, that's to me, the big question. Like I want to say, okay, maybe he did turn a corner and, and, and maybe the game slowed down for him a little bit, but I mean, it's at least gotta be something that you wonder heading into this season, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something that he's been asked about, like playing with a clear mind has been kind of the, uh, regurgitated term that's been used, uh, And it definitely sounds like something that he feels comfortable with heading into this year. But like, you know, what is he going to tell you if if somebody asks and it's like, Hey, are you playing with a clear mind now? He's not going to be like, no, I, I just, I'm, I'm off today. I'll tell you what guys. Yeah. I'm lost. I'm lost out there. I don't have any answers. I don't have any answers. (laughs) Of course not. So I don't know. I I, I don't know what to expect with that. I I just don't think uh, you can really expect much, but that's gotta be a breakthrough, right? Like that, that feels like when you find that, moment of how to do it and have sustained success over a couple months. Like, I I feel like that's, that's kind of a skill almost like a a mental ability that you capture. And I don't think you just lose that overnight. Yeah. Because if it's, if it's not Dave, you sort of start going down the lineup and saying, okay, if it's not going to be Dave, then who is it? Ochai would probably be one of the logical answers because we saw at times, especially late in the season, kind of take over and kind of became that alpha. But at this point, I I, I always hate doing the, I always hate playing the game of a guy is who he is, like, especially in college. It's like, is he though? He's 19, he's 20. Like he's got plenty of time to grow. Uh, It's important to remember who Ochai was coming out of high school. Like, I don't even think he was a top 300 player in his recruiting class. He did take a big jump from sophomore season to last year. Finished the season about 14 points per game. He's definitely a plus defender. But when you look at his game, like he is a spot-up shooter and he is an open-court transition finisher. He's not somebody who's great at going and getting his own shot. He doesn't have great handles. He's not super quick twitch off the dribble. He's an explosive athlete. Like He's got a great vertical. He's got great top-end speed. But he's not, like, he's not Devontae Graham. Right, he's not that guy who's who's going to make somebody miss and get right past you and and go and score at the rim. But I don't think he needs to be right. Like I I, I think I don't think of him as a star at all. But there's part of me with Ochai that says if you can get 
uh, whether it's Dewan Harris or Remy Martin or Joe Yesifu or maybe even Christian Brown, if you can get those sorts of guys to fill that facilitator, distributor, offensive initiator role, then maybe we do get the best version of Ochai that we've ever seen just because he's got the best cast around him coupled with him maybe being as good as he's ever been. I kind of got the sense too from him this offseason that, you know, some guys when they hit their senior year, and I guess technically Ochai could be a second year junior this year because of COVID rules. Um, but you kind of get that sense from him that like he understands this is his last go around. At least that's the intention. And you kind of get that like senior mentality in the off season where there's a lot of stories about what he took from the NBA workouts. He, he brought back and shared with like other players on the team and, and was kind of a big catalyst in off season workouts and so forth. And I, I think that's a positive. Um, I, I think the biggest thing for him is what's the role going to be, right? Like, is it just the role from two years ago where he was that kind of set shooter and wing defender, but on steroids now just taking even more shots and and taking the number one defensive responsibility instead of the number two, like kind of Marcus Garrett was? Um, or is it, like you said, being kind of more involved overall in the offense? He's mentioned like the fact that he wants to uh, be more aggressive and, and dunk on more guys this year, which it's better to have that mentality than not. And I, I'd certainly like hearing him say it, but it's kind of one of those things that like, I'll probably believe it when I see it. So I, I'm kind of at a point where, yeah, I agree with you. Like he is kind of the ideal role player. And I don't say that as a negative, like you can be a, an all big 12 player as a role player. If you hit a lot of threes and, and you play really good defense, which he could, but the difference between being like an all American or, or going back to the star conversation, he's going to have to either create for others, start dunking on people or just become like the best defender in the country. Okay. So let's go back to that star conversation because before we get into Remy, which I, I think he's the the one player that people have the most questions about, he might be at sort of the crux of, of what this team can, can ultimately accomplish this year. Do you feel like this team needs that? Does this team need to have somebody emerge as a star? Do they need somebody to play at an all American type level? If they're going to be a legit championship contender. Yes, probably. But like, I I don't think you have to necessarily highlight who it is in the preseason. It just has to come organically. Like somebody has to, but I think it's, it's almost like a, a two-sided question, right? Because it's a chicken and egg thing where, you know, is, is like Kyle guy, for instance, I think was like a third team all American for Virginia was Kyle guy an all American because he was one of the 15 best players in the country or was Kyle guy an all American because he was just a really good player on a Virginia team that was really good. So that's, I think about that with Jared Butler a lot. Like Jared Butler Mm -hmm. was no question. One of the best players in college basketball last year for Baylor. And a big part of the reason why they won the national championship, but Jared Butler was also in the perfect situation for Jared Butler to be the best Jared Butler. Like, does that make sense? Like, I think you can do the same thing with Davion Mitchell. Davion Mitchell was one of the most exciting players to watch in college basketball last year. Would Davion Mitchell have been that same guy playing for Texas Tech, right? Would he have been that same guy playing for whoever, Iowa? I don't know. But like it was a it was a perfect system, a perfect situation, a perfect cast of players around him. 
which is kind of why I wonder about the meshing and the melding of this team, because I feel like there are multiple options if you want to make a case for guys being stars, but it's all going to be about can this team sort of come together and coexist and and can everything uh, coalesce at the right time to, to bring the best out of all these guys? Because while they, that you've got four starters returning, you've also got basically every single role player from a season ago replaced with a player who we all expect to play more and have bigger roles. And that sounds great, but also like there's, there's going to be a learning curve with all these guys trying to, trying to figure out how to play together. Yo, yeah. I, I think the perfect like example is, we know how much Bill Self has played like his lead point guard, right? We've seen years where Frank Mason or Devontae Graham's been at 36, 37 minutes a game. And they're having like a streak where it's like five straight games where he hasn't been on the bench. And, you know, even Marcus Garrett played, I think like 34 minutes per game. Uh, I think I went back and in, in over the past like five years or something like that, it's a minimum of like 32 and a half for the lead point guard in minutes per game. Like there's a real chance that, Nobody averages that many minutes on this team in general. So how much does that play into the star conversation? Again, that's a chicken and egg thing. Like if you are a star, do you have to play minutes or can you not like have what is viewed as a star? Because if you play less minutes, you put up less stats. Like for instance, Marcus Morris in 2011, he played 28 minutes a game. Uh, He was second team all American. I think everybody would have considered him a star. Maybe it's different for big men because you can be more efficient in less minutes per game, but um, I think that definitely goes into the whole idea of the perception of the star, but you have to at least have somebody like going back to this point who is a star, even if they're not putting up stats, right? Like if you went back to the 2008 team, uh, which is kind of the comparison people always like to throw up because team won a title and it's a team who is really deep. Right. And so every time there's a deep KU team, it's like, well, the 08 team did it. And that team didn't have any all Americans on the team. Right. But that doesn't mean that there weren't any stars like Brandon Rush was a star. Mario Chalmers was a star for that team. So that's kind of the way I view this team. It's not going to be the same way of the Devon and Doak from a couple of years ago where it's two top 10 players and then like kind of everybody else. It's not going to be like the Illinois team last year with Io DeSumo and Kofi Coburn, where again, it's like two top 15 players and everybody else. It's going to be more spread out it'll just be a nature of if they win a lot of games, even if they don't have an all American, that means they have stars, even though the stats might not show it. Okay. Uh, it's probably irresponsible for us to get to this point in the conversation. Mm. We're about 20 minutes in and we have not referenced what many people would be- believe to be the lead, which is Remy Martin. Uh, we've we've mm-hmm. kind of danced around it. So let's get to the Remy Martin conversation. When Bill self was, you know, hitting the transfer portal and the recruiting trail, like Ty Ty Washington, who ended up going to Kentucky, was one of the big targets. When, when they landed Remy Martin, I think the headline was like, this is the biggest impact transfer portal player in the country, and he's landing in a perfect spot and filling not just a void that it was obvious that KU needed, but one that Bill Self explicitly said like they need it like Remy Martin is that guy now if you're given the um the sort of cliff notes version on Remy Martin he is a two-time all Pac-12 first team selection he was a second team selection another time but uh, if you haven't been super locked into Sun Devils basketball I think to put it succinctly uh they've sucked 
They've sucked over the over the four years that Remy Martin was there. They didn't do a whole lot. They went to the NCAA tournament twice. They lost in the first four his freshman year. They lost in the first round last uh, in the second year. Last year, they actually had pretty high expectations. Uh, they I think we're like preseason top 20 to start the season. And they finished the year 11 and 14. And there were times throughout that season where Remy Martin looked like he didn't want to be playing basketball for Arizona State, which makes sense that he decided to hit the transfer portal. Uh, this guy's a scorer. He knows how to get his own bucket. He was also given a hell of a lot of freedom at Arizona State. What is this all going to look like? What is it going to look like for a guy who has clearly put together a very impressive resume, who has a, a pretty unique skill set, has a ton of experience now joining a team who's got a pretty particular coach. Bill Self uh, is pretty specific with what he likes to get out of that point guard's position. Oh, and by the way, you got to get it all figured out in one season because that's all you're going to get Remy Martin for. What do you anticipate the Remy Martin experience at Kansas looking like both early and long term? I think when he's on the court with Dewan Harris, you're going to see him be more of that score. He's going to kind of not be the lead guard. I think when Dewan's out there, that might honestly end up being KU's best lineup when that is the case. When he's out there with Joe Yesifu, I think they view Yesifu more as just like a straight up two guard to where he's going to have to be more of a facilitator. And I think that is the biggest progression that you're looking to track. Like I said earlier, I think KU would rather like Remy Martin average like 12 and eight or 12 and seven than they would him average like 18 and four or something. Um, he is, I think kind of more of a work in progress based on just me kind of reading tea leaves on, on certain comments from coaches and players than you might think. And that doesn't mean like, like I still think he's going to be a starter. He's still going to play a lot of minutes. He's still going to put up good stats, but there has been almost like a, Every time it gets brought up with the different guards or like, you know, most improved or best shooter, best score, all these things like you're just not really hearing his name as much. It's, it's kind of weird. You mean like from, you mean like from KU players? Yeah. Yeah. Like you ask who's the best shooter or, or who's the best score, all these things. I, I'm very rarely hearing him. I was asking players today about like, who's the most athletic, who's the fastest. You would hear Joe Yesifu. Uh, you would hear most improved shooter. You would hear Dewan Harris, best passer. You'd hear Dewan Harris, best defender. You'd hear Joe Yesifu or Dewan Harry. It was just kind of weird. With Bill Self, like there have been some comments that make you think this isn't just necessarily, hey, you got this grad transfer point guard. It's a complete product. Here he's ready to go. Uh, there's certainly going to be adjustment because he has a much different playing style than Bobby Hurley, right? And, and the fact that I think Remy Martin probably had all the keys to the offense in Arizona State in that I don't know how much offense Bobby Hurley was running and that it was like, okay, Remy Martin, just go do your thing. Whereas with Kansas, like there are strict rules. There are certain things that he has to adjust to. Uh, one of the comments he made at, at KU media day was talking about the fact that like young players, when they come in, they're sometimes easy to mold because of the fact that they don't know any better. Whereas some older players, sometimes it takes time for them to figure it out. He said, oh, we will get it figured out. And those guys do get it figured out. It's just a longer process because you basically have to unteach them their old ways that they think are right and reteach them the right ways. And I think that's kind of a process going on with Remy Martin right now. That's going to be fascinating. That is going to be fascinating because it was a, an exciting moment, I think, for KU when they got him. And I'm not saying that they're getting 
cold feet about the, about about having Remy Martin, but you got have a guy who was, I mean, he was voted preseason Big 12 player of the year. And he, unlike maybe if he would have landed like 99% of other programs, they would have taken Remy Martin and just said, yes, keep doing what you're doing, man. Bill Self is one of the few that's like, uh-uh. He, I mean, he, he famously said, Bill Self has famously said, um, and I'm trying to remember, I don't remember who this was. It, it, it may have been Quentin Grimes. I don't know if you remember. It was a few years ago where Bill Self said, uh, somebody asked him about um, what, what can you guys do to help sort of fit him in more? And, mm-hmm. he, and he, the answer he gave was, it's not our job to get him fit in. It's his job to fit in with us. I don't remember exactly who he who he was uh, who was he was referencing at the time. I want to say Quentin Grimes, but was was it? Yeah, like that. That's the way he operates. It's not going to be, hey, Remy Martin, you scored nineteen a game. Keep doing what you're doing, man. It's working. No, they're going to say, hey, you, you scored a lot of points, but the efficiency wasn't always great. Uh, you didn't always uh, seem super engaged in some of those games. Like none of that is going to fly here. Like, do you do you expect it to look a little bumpy early? I, I don't know if I would say bumpy, like uh, is bumpy being in the bill self doghouse? Cause I don't really see that happening. Um, like, could you, could like, you anticipate a scenario where like Dewan Harris looks like this team's best point guard early in the season? Yes. I can a hundred percent see that. I can a hundred percent see times where Remy Martin makes a bad play. And because this is something bill self loves. He's mentioned this before. Like one of his favorite tools is being able to use the bench as a learning lesson. I could hundred percent see times this year where Remy Martin, and you haven't seen this with like your Frank Masons or Devonte Grahams where he makes a couple bad plays. He gets pulled and you see him get yanked for four or five minutes off the court for Joe. Yesifu, Dewan Harris or Bobby Pettiford or whoever. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's something that they didn't have last mm-hmm. year. Certainly I go back to uh, ironically 2018, the, the year they went to the final four, he said at one point during that season, like that team caused him so much frustration and he was so annoyed by the fact that when he wasn't getting the defensive effort that he wanted from guys like Malik Newman or LaGerald Vick, there was nothing he could really do about it because you turn around and you look at the bench, I'm like, who am I going to play? Like freshman Marcus Garrett, it's not going to work. Like he just had to keep yelling at them and hope that they would figure it out. And oddly enough, they did. But like this is going to be completely different this year because regardless of where you think the breaking point is for like guys who are competing for spots versus dudes who are just going to maybe take another year or so, like, there is no shortage at any position really where Bill Self can't point to the bench and, and start looking at guys who, uh, if you're not getting the job done, we'll send you over there. So uh, you mentioned David McCormick earlier Oops. as being like the only true big Every year, we convince ourselves that this will be the year that Bill Self starts playing four guards, mm-hmm. that he's never going to play two bigs because it just doesn't make sense. And it, while he's gotten more flexible with it, he's never completely went away from it, especially in a pinch, especially if he's getting annoyed with defense or getting annoyed with effort, rebounding, whatever. Like then that, that, That's just like his natural reflex is to go, Put a second big out there. We're at least going to have size. We're at least going to have rebounding. Do you think this is the year where we see exclusively 
four guards from Kansas. Yeah, I actually do. Um, Bill Self actually talked about this at Media Day. He mentioned the fact that with Jalen Wilson out, because Jalen, I, I guess it depends. Like, do you consider Jalen a guard or wing or whatever? Like, yeah, he's certainly not, not a big. big. He's not a big. Okay. So he mentioned the fact that with Jalen out, like, he said something along the lines of we're not going to uh, do something in the short term. That's not going to help us in the long term." And that was in direct reference to them playing a second big man. It was a question I asked him about like, who do you view as being in the running for the four position? And he said, we're mostly going to play kind of four guards. Um, you could see some KJ Adams there, which again, he's kind of more of that like wing role, but he directly mentioned as well, you know, that was originally maybe a thought that we could play like a, a big next to each other, but I just don't think it's feasible from a defensive perspective, which has always been the question. Like you're not going to have enough foot speed out there if you play a Cam Martin next to a David McCormick. So it sounds like to me, they are fully going in to the four guard lineup. So who does that hurt the most? Like I, I would start with Cam Martin, right? Because that was a guy, this is, this is going to be fascinating to see how Cam Martin works. If, if you're not familiar mm-hmm. This is a guy who was playing Division II basketball last year for Jeff Boshi at, I believe, is it Southern Missouri State or is it just Southern Missouri? I think it's Missouri Southern. Missouri Southern. Okay, there we go. Um, He was effectively unstoppable at that level. He is a 6'9 big man who can shoot 40% from three, unguardable, right? At least offensively. He was routinely putting up like 24 and nine. And uh, who all was going after him when he entered the portal, so to speak? Wasn't Texas in on him? Yeah, I know it was Texas. And that was after Chris Beard was there. So Chris Beard went after him. I think Creighton, Mm -hmm. if my memory serves me correctly, was going. So it's not as though KU just took a flyer on a nobody. Like there were other major programs that wanted Cam Martin. At first you think, okay, well, this guy can stretch the floor. So maybe you can play him next to David McCormick. Uh, I, I don't know exactly how much of that we're going to see because he's not, I, I, I just can't envision him guarding opposing fours, knowing now that everybody's going to play a guard at that four spot. So would you, would you go into the season expecting him to be that backup big, or do you think that's still a fluid competition? Oh, it's very much a fluid competition. I mean, first of all, if you're not playing two bigs, you have 40 minutes to give out a center. David McCormick played 23 last year. Let's say it's 25 this year. You have 15 minutes between Cam Martin, who was that senior grad transfer, Zach Clements, who was your highest rated freshman recruit, and Mitch Lightfoot, who's a sixth year senior. Now, I'm kind of past the point. Like, I, I don't think Mitch Lightfoot's going to consistently be in the rotation. You'll see him for stretches now and then when Bill Self wants to send a message or like late in the game or something. Um, but it kind of sounds like, based on comments uh, at Media Day, that Zach Clements has outshot Cam Martin so far in practice, which Zach Clements is known as like a, a sharp shooting big man as well. But if, if your biggest skill is being able to stretch the floor and shoot threes as a big man, and you're getting outshot right now in practice by the other guy who's more talented overall, <laughs> that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would say so. I would, I think most division two players trying to make the jump to not just division one, but high level power five, uh, you don't have a ton going for you, but uh, yeah, at the very least, you'd like to to be able to have something to hang your hat on. Well, the guy at the four, Jalen Wilson, at least eventually will be the guy at the four. I guess we have to reference at, at least um, what took place over the weekend. He gets pulled over. 
car was swerving, issued a field sobriety test. He was booked for a DUI. Don't know what that means. Could have been drinking, could have been smoking pot. Don't know exactly what the details are there, but Bill Self announced at media day, going to be suspended for the exhibition game, which is tonight by the time this episode gets released. And then the first three games of the season, those three games are, I believe, against Michigan State, uh, Stony Brook, and Tarleton. Mm-hmm. So think Hawks will be, able, be, be okay. Be okay without Jalen uh, in his absence. Um, not going to make this about, uh, uh, I'm not going to make you espouse on uh, the, the mm-hmm. ethics and your feelings of drunk driving and the underage drinking. But Jalen is to me, very similar to what we got from Ochai Baji, who hit the ground running year one, looked hot out of the gates, cooled off, sort of lackluster year two, all of a sudden took a big jump. Jalen was so good to start last season. He was like the catalyst offensively. Then guess what happens? College basketball team starts scouting for you and effectively made him just another guy out there. When you when we go back to that star conversation of like who can be this who could be a star on this team, if if David is pick one and and Remy is is right there as well, like Jalen Wilson's the other guy, I would toss into that conversation just because of his skill set, right? Six eight, led the team in rebounding, high motor, streaky shooter, aggressive with the ball, good at getting contact, getting to the foul line, like. Are you expecting to, to see more inconsistency from Jalen? Like, like how high should hopes be for him in, in yet another year? I mean, that was effectively his freshman season last year because he uh, broke his ankle foot or something his first year and, and hardly played at all. So like, where should we have expectations for him in year two? He's the best defensive rebounder on the team. He's one of the best transition players they have. He gives them the ability to like playing the four guards where your fourth guy actually does have some size. Although I thought it was funny, like the NBA draft combine, he actually measured, it was like six, six or something like that. And you're like, what? Um, (laughs) But he still was the best defensive rebounder on the team. And if he can just hit threes more consistently, like that's a big win for you, but he can take guys off the dribble as well. He absolutely is a guy that I could see having like star potential. Will he reach it? You know, you don't know how this whole suspension is going to affect, like, will somebody else emerge in that spot? Is it going to put you in the Bills off doghouse? I, I don't know. But the one thing going his way with, with all the, the depth that we've talked about, like how many guys do you actually view as saying like, can play the specific, like kind of four role, because if you're not playing another big man that wipes away those guys, you obviously can't play, you know, Joe Yesfu and Dewan Harris and those guys at the four. Uh, you're not going to play Jalen Coleman lands. Who's pretty much just a shooter at the four. That means the only guys that you're actually going to feel comfortable with at the four position are uh, Jalen Wilson, Ochag Baji, Christian Brown, and KJ Adams. But if Christian and Ochai are mostly playing at kind of the, the two and three with a little bit of the four, like you don't want Ochai playing the four for 30 minutes in a game, then that doesn't leave you with as many other options as some of those other positions. All right. I want to go through a few uh, rapid fire questions and uh, just take as long as you want. I'm going to go rapid fire. You can espouse for as long as you want to Uh, chances. KU goes undefeated in non-com play this year. Um, 10%. I mean, the Michigan State game without, well, Here's the issue. Uh, I don't know. That's probably too low, but uh, 25%. I just, 
without Jalen Wilson and the opener against Michigan state, like it's, it's a game they should win, but we don't know how good Michigan state is. Like I said, do you actually trust Tom Izzo isn't going to have like a top 25 team this year? Cause I'm just assuming they're going to end up being a top 25 team. And we've seen before. It's not necessarily an indication if KU does poorly in the champions classic for their season, like they lost to Michigan state a handful of years ago in a game. They shouldn't have lost where Denzel Valentine let them back. Um, they lost to Duke two years ago and they had like 30 turnovers and they looked like they didn't even know how to play basketball. And then they ended up losing two more games the rest of the season. So that's a possibility. You could play Alabama in the ESPN, like Orlando invitational or whatever the heck it's called. You have road games with like St. John's and Colorado, which um, usually there's that one like road game in the non-con. I think back to like Villanova a couple of years ago where you just kind of like play like crap. You play a morning game, like it's, it's finals week or something. So I would just probably assume they're going to lose one game. And if you're counting like the whole non-con, you still have Kentucky too. And Kentucky's going to probably be pretty. No, dumb. we don't count that. If, okay. if, if, it, if it's it only the non-con, if it's played before conference play begins. So Do we count Texas, Oklahoma for now. Okay. For now, for now we'll count them as conference play. Mm. Um, speaking of Texas, that's, that, that'll be my next question. Okay. How legit do you expect them to be this year? Um, Texas, I, you know, as having worked with me for five years, I love Chris Beard. I adore him. I secretly wanted him to stay at Texas tech forever at least until Bill Self hung it up because that was my dream as a Kansas fan to have him ultimately replace Bill Self at Kansas. Very specific style, right? Got guys to play really hard defensively and they basically always had one guy who could be that, whether it was like Jemias Ramsey or Mac McClung or uh, Jarrett Evans. Like there was always a guy who could just be the one catalyst offensively and then hope that everybody else would sort of fill in the gaps. Well, now, he gets basically a roster full of those types of players. I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat frightened as, as to how good things could look down in Austin now with Chris Beard at the helm and coupled with what he was able to put together this offseason. Yes, I, there is a part of me that's worried because the same conversations we've had with Kansas were like, do you have too many good players on your roster? That's even more so with Texas, just to like a lesser extent, instead of there being like, 12 players who could be part of the rotation or whatever it is. It's like they have seven players who legitimately probably think they could average 15 a game, right? You have Andrew Jones, who is all big 12, uh, Courtney Ramey. Both those guys love to score the basketball. You bring in an all pack 12 player and Timmy Allen, who averaged like 15 a game. Dylan Disu was like averaging double digits at Vanderbilt. Um, Christian Bishop wanted a bigger role and he was averaging whatever 13 a game or something like that at Creighton. Um, you bring in five-star recruits like, and I'm even missing, they brought in a Kentucky kid. I, I think I'm forgetting somebody else as well. Like they have so many guys on their team who probably think that they should be the dude. So I'd be a little worried about that overall. I, I think like they, they have the roster wise, like a good enough team to win the national title. And I thought honestly, last year they had a top five roster in terms of talent. But it, like if you would have gave Chris Beard last year's Texas team, I think they probably do end up making the final four or something like that. Probably don't end up beating Gonzaga or uh, Baylor. But does this do anything for you? Uh, hypothetically, I'm not saying it, it happened or it did not happen, but hypothetically, 
if Texans were to say lose a secret scrimmage to Houston by, I don't know, 20, 25 points, would that do anything for you? No. Did that happen? I don't know. Possibly. But we can't, they don't get box scores or final scores from those scrimmages. So mm. is this just, specul- we may never know. Is this just speculation? Oh, by the way, with the Christian Bishop thing, he was a guy who KU was going hard after during the transfer portal. The idea that he wanted a bigger role. He started all 31 games. He started 62 of 62 games his last two seasons at Creighton. And he's like, well, you know, I just, I want a bigger role. And now you went to a team where you're now going to have more competition. No, you didn't want a bigger role. You just didn't want to play a fucking Creighton anymore. That, that was it. It was just, you didn't want to be at Creighton because you thought you were better than, and that's fine. But I wish more guys would just be brutally honest. It's like, yeah, it's, it's Creighton. Like, I'd rather go be in the spotlight somewhere else. But that's fine. Whatever. College kids make college kids decisions. Um, I guess the only player we didn't really talk about was Christian Brown. Uh, mm-hmm. The guy who I guess we let off with. We let off with Christian Brown dominating the Tulsa scrimmage, at least according to the social media video that KU posted. Mm-hmm. He's an interesting player to me, too, because I, I kind of put him alongside Ochai. I say, all right. You clearly have some some things that you're pretty good at. Uh, but my biggest my biggest harp on Christian Brown last year was that he was a spot up shooter that had the slowest release of all time. That, that that's tough. That's tough when you don't have facilitators. You don't ha- you didn't have a point guard that could draw any defensive attention. So defenders were just all over Ochai and Christian Brown, the only two real shooters on the court, and they never got any open looks. If Yesifu, if uh, Dewan Harris, if uh, Remy Martin become those guys, like, could, is it realistic that Christian Brown can all of a sudden become an explosive score of 15 to 17 points per game type guy? I just don't think there'll be the shots, but I think he'll be ultra efficient this year. Um, if you watched the video of the highlights, I think it was like about a 0.12 second faster release than last year. If you go out and measure it. Are you serious? Um, I did not have- that. No, I did not actually measure that. Um, but I was going to give you credit that, if you did. No, no, I wish. Uh, I, I think that everything you said with the guards being able to create for him is going to matter. I think that Christian Brown is going to be in the running for one of the most hated college basketball players this season, because if KU ends up having the season you're expected to, uh, there'll be a top five team. They'll be on national TV a lot. It'll be his third year. So people will have been used to him and like seeing him and like, man, get out of college already. And he's a white guy who's hitting a lot of threes. And he has the added emphasis of he actually likes to tr- like trash talk and dunk on people. He is going to be absolutely hated, I think, from the college basketball spectrum, which is honestly kind of fun when you root for that guy. I'll be honest with you. And people are going to think I'm joking. And, and I couldn't be more serious. Kansas has is desperately been lacking in that department. <laughs> for at least the last four. Devontae was pretty good at it. I mean, Devontae would just get sort of fired up and and his way of trash talking and kind of getting in your face was laughing. Like he would just like sort of smile in your face, which is super annoying when somebody's kicking your ass. Uh, Josh Jackson before that was elite at it. You go back to those early 2010 teams, it's like every single player Bill Self brought in was that. Whether it was Tyshawn Taylor, whether it was Th- Thomas Robinson, Sharon Collins, the Morris twins, like they had it in spades. And he had a really good quote. I think it, I think again, we're going to reference the 2018 team for the fifth time in this podcast. He referenced the 2018 team and he said, you know what? We got a lot, a lot of nice young men on this team. 
right? You got a lot of you got a lot of men that you'd want to be dating your daughter. A lot of a lot of men that you wouldn't mind, you know, babysitting your kids. A lot of and that was he he did not mean that as a compliment whatsoever. It's like the, it's like the meanest thing that Bill Self can ever say about you is you're a super nice guy, right? He's like, oh, he's a good guy. Christian Brown needs. I, I I desperately hope he can become that guy because I feel like. To quote Bill Self, KU has had a, night, a lot of nice young men over the past couple of years. Even if he's not the best player on the team, even if he's not the second or third best player on the team, if he can just be the asshole, right? <laughs> if he can just be that guy who pisses everyone else off and dunks and shoots threes and does the bow and arrow and just pisses off other teams, I feel like that's a valuable role that desperately needs to be filled. You know who else has a little of that? Remy Martin. And and this will be the one thing that I think keeps him going. And even when he, I, I think, like I said, there'll be some maybe tribes and tribulations, but there's still going to be a lot of highs with Remy Martin. And he's definitely one of those guys that is going to really endear himself to the fan base because he is going to make late shots. He is going to get really energetic and everything. Um, he supposedly is the player who talks the most trash on the team. And we certainly know that he makes flashy plays. So he's going to be one of those guys that kind of gets up in your grill and kind of continues that with Christian Brown. I love it. I love it. I, I think the team needs it. He's Derek Johnson. Uh, you can check out his stuff. Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Tell the people how they can listen to you. Uh, you can tune in Monday through Friday, three to six from uh, KLWN.com or on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. And then we got our uh, best of our CST podcast. Basically anywhere you can find your podcast, you can find it. All right, man. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for hopping on with me. Um, I'll be doing this every week, so uh, I'll definitely be giving you a call and uh, we'll have to do something here again very shortly, man. I, I really enjoy this. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on. It was nice reminiscing. All right. Great stuff from Derek. Love talking to him. We'll probably have him on a few more times throughout the season. At least as of right now, the plan for this show is to do at least one episode per week. Next week, we'll actually have some real games to talk about playing Michigan State Champions Classic Tuesday night, Madison Square Garden against, uh, I mean, it's Michigan State. It's a big brand. I don't know how good they're going to be this year, but this non-con schedule may be a little bit lighter than we're used to seeing from KU in the past. I don't know if that's a good thing, bad thing. We can maybe talk about it. So uh, let me know what you guys think, because honestly, I have no real preconceived ideas for what this podcast is going to be. I was just kind of planning on talking about KU, talking about the big topics from week to week. Obviously, we'll have a lot of guests on, whether it be uh, other media guys, people who have covered the team, former players, things of that nature. Let me know what you guys think. Let me know what you want to hear, because uh, I'm all open to suggestions. Want to have fun with this. If you guys want to do more episodes than one per week, let me know and we can definitely make that happen as well. But for now, that'll do it for this first episode. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Let me know what you think and I'll catch up with you later. Here I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. <laughs> 
Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseballs and boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. You fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.